Well, aloha from Maui, and welcome to this week's Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. My name is Michael Penner. Uh, happy to be with you today as we talk about our topic for the week, which is comparing consciousness with intelligence. What's the difference? I thought about calling it consciousness versus intelligence, but they're not in opposition. It's not really a dichotomy. Rather, one includes the other. I think consciousness is all-encompassing, and intelligence is a function of consciousness. And from there, we're going to talk not only in philosophical terms, but hopefully we can get to some practical applications of what does it mean to develop your intelligence, what does it mean to develop your consciousness, What's the interplay in the relationship of the two, especially in something that we're going to come to call the three lower worlds? We're going to talk about four planes of existence today that I think you're going to find fascinating. Again, like everything we do, this is not carved out of granite, right? I got nothing for you that uh, you know comes directly from the Word of God. I would, I would. Never be so presumptuous. Uh, we're comparative in our approach to religion and philosophy, and we're drawing upon what is sometimes called the perennial philosophy or Prisca Theologia, the ancient wisdom of all ages and all cultures, and the remarkable consensus that's found there. And so... When I talk about the four planes of existence or the nature of developing consciousness or the relationship of consciousness and intelligence, our topic for the day today, again, I'm not coming from a place of authority. I'm coming to you as a fellow student who, fortunately, because of the nature of my career as a hypnotherapist, as a counselor, as a spiritual development and personal development um, trainer and, and, and teacher, I've had the good fortune of being able to make my living in this field and spend a lot of time studying and contemplating the information, but I don't profess to having any more authority than any other single individual on earth. The authority, I believe, is within you. And uh, I don't think you should believe anything that doesn't resonate as true in your mind and in your heart, no matter who it comes from or where you read it. It's got to resonate as true for you. That would that would be the <laughs> that would be the beginning and the end of my advice on that. All right, so um, let's see. Let's. Uh, I want to check attendance on the live side. We uh, were checking the numbers the other day, and we find that, again, we have more than 20 times more people listening to the podcast, uh, time-shifting and listening on demand, than we have listening live. But that's fine, whatever serves you. Uh, it's exciting to develop the live side. And so we do have telephones as well as text messaging, there's a chat room you can visit during the event, and afterwards a social net, very much like Facebook, but just for 
people who are listening to the Mystery School on Sunday and generally interested in mysticism and, and metaphysics, New Age philosophy, and uh, the ageless wisdom, as I say, the, the perennial philosophy is what all the Suxley called it. So uh, let's begin with consciousness and intelligence I guess the, I guess where I want to begin is to tell you how surprised I was to do a little bit of Google research this morning before the class here just to see what was posted. And I was surprised, I was stunned at how little information there is about consciousness and intelligence. Most of it has to do with so-called artificial intelligence and the cybernetic computer-based approach to intelligence. Can we write programs? Can computer programmers, people who know how to do such things, write programs that are smart enough to fix their own problems? Uh, and those programs do exist. There are computer programs that are writing other computer programs even growing themselves, learning and adapting to adapting to um, new information that uh, that arise. But nobody would ever argue that a computer. I'm saying nobody. I find it highly unlikely that anybody could argue that a computer could be conscious, no matter how intelligent a computer might be. And it looks like that word is going to be applied. It certainly has been in the past. Computers being intelligent. That, that, that seems to be accepted. Again, it's often called AI, artificial intelligence. But it's marked not only by an ability to remember. Any computer can remember, store, and allow you to access information. But it has no volition. It is not willful, unless or until you start thinking of legendary computers in the literature, like Dave in uh, 2001, you know, um, where, uh, or Hal was the computer, and it's, Dave says to the computer, Hal, open the pod door. And the computer says, no, basically. It's like a two-year-old child. A computer that has discovered it can say no has arrived at a certain level of intelligence. And uh, there are science fiction stories about computers getting sentience or an awareness of self that we would then call uh, consciousness. But it's difficult for me to imagine that. And so that's where I'd like to begin and tell you less about artificial intelligence as it's conceived by computer scientists and more about what our ancestors have told us um, from the indigenous cultures and the pre-industrialized societies about the nature of awareness, consciousness as awareness. Uh, to be aware that you're conscious or to be consciously aware, these two words play off each other 
in an interesting way. In uh, some traditions, especially Eastern traditions, you could think of awareness as preceding consciousness, that awareness is often capitalized and referred to as the most divine source or the highest source, uh, the absolute, the God figure. That would be awareness. And then consciousness, rather more individuated, a bit of awareness, um, the point of view of the soul or the individuated self could be conscious. Now, I tend to use the terms interchangeably because it's really all we got. There's not a whole lot of language, in English especially, about the nature of consciousness or what it means to be a conscious person, aware, sentient. I mentioned a place of realization. That's a word I'm going to use today to realize as opposed to understand or a way of understanding. So if I use the two interchangeably um, and, uh, you know, you're, you're more from the school of, oh, no, he's not, he's not saying it right. It's actually awareness in this case and consciousness in, in this case. Uh, forgive me. And, and, and let me have the latitude of mixing the two up. Uh, I just don't. <laughs> I need those words. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, beyond the artificial intelligence and beyond the computers, there is in the wisdom and understanding that consciousness or awareness is what we mean by spiritual love. And. I think a lot of us have a problem with the many meanings of the word love, such that when we think of love as capital L love or spiritual love, we get it confused quickly, easily, rather simply, with the emotion of love as an affinity, uh, a desire to be present with, to care about. Uh, to feel emotionally invested in a particular relationship uh, and to have intimacy and, and devotion in that relationship. We understand emotional love, as in romance and families where you love your kids and you love your parents and your cousins and your uncles and you love the dog and you love the cat and the goldfish and the hamster. Um, and then there's love your neighbor, which gets a little more difficult. And to love your neighbor as thyself is a golden rule that pops up in all cultures and all traditions and all societies. And then we have the admonition from Christ to love your enemy as well. And because we conflate the term, the spiritual love, as in loving your enemy, with emotional love it's it's difficult for us to understand so i want to separate here the idea not really separate but just for the sake of discussion create a distinction between emotional love small l love and capital l love as spiritual love 
and equate love to consciousness. Uh, the Christos, uh, the Buddha nature, in Hawaii we would say the Aloha spirit, is a recognition of the oneness of things. It's a love that comes from realizing that there's only one mind at work and one heart at work and the body of this one life or this one thing is the physical universe uh, often referred to as the ocean of consciousness everywhere equally present imbued in space and time but extending beyond space and time existing beyond difficult to talk about beyond space and time, but think of space and time being a function of consciousness. There is a saying in mysticism that the drop can be separated from the ocean, but the ocean is always in the drop. And that's part of what we're talking about when we equate love spiritual love, capital L love, the harmony or the charity, the word charity when capitalized, it's almost archaic now, means that same thing. Uh, the oneness of things, love coming from recognizing that everything is plugged in, everything is connected, everything, just like the environment, the ecosystem, spiritually, Everything is connected. There is a web of life. Right? So that's where we, I think, can begin our discussion today beyond the artificial intelligence and computers and, and the way intelligence and consciousness is debated there, to, to get to philosophy and the idea that intelligence we think of as the mental aspect, the reasoning aspect, memory and understanding and knowledge and, and, and application, learning skills, adaptability, uh, to learn, to, to unlearn and, and to relearn. That's intelligence, but consciousness is the awareness. Consciousness is love. Consciousness is love because it's magnetic, <laughs> the way love is. It's karmic. It attracts like. I understand that electric or electrical uh, polarities in physical dents are reversed and opposites attract. But that's because the physical dents is a reflection of spirit that it seems backwards. On the spiritual plane, it's like that attracts like. And we see this in the nature of karma. That is a punishment. There's no bad karma any more than there's bad gravity. It's just law that like attracts like. And this is why black magic never works, except on the lowest of levels, because the mind, the subconscious mind, is so brilliant that you start thinking negatively and projecting that, you know, cursing or hexing somebody that something bad might happen to them, even if it fits your sense of justice. 
your mind has to think those thoughts so they become seeds in in the fertile garden within you and, and manifest for you and that's like attracts like uh, in our relationships like attracts like um, even when we can even when there's cases of two personalities that seem so very different there is some mutual affinity some chemical affinity or magnetic attraction some comic destiny that not only can be but must be worked out with this individual or a similar circumstance maybe it doesn't have to be with that particular individual but it's a comic lesson that needs to be learned well part of understanding consciousness is its magnetic nature and that's another way you can think of consciousness as being like love now before I leave this idea of artificial intelligence and computers altogether, I want to share with you. Let me find my glasses here. Something I read on the very first article that popped up on Google. And uh, yeah, here it is. I was rather stunned because he, in in this article, he's talking about. The difference being very simple, that intelligence exists across a spectrum. Some people are more intelligent, some people are less intelligent, some people fall somewhere in the middle, or more precisely, we have different intelligence profiles. There are 11 or 12 basic types of intelligence, and you might be more musically intelligent and your brother or sister might be better at the math and the science and not so musical. And, you know, Billy Joe Bob is the athlete. And Nevertheless, there is this variance. But this fellow was arguing that with consciousness, it's binary. You're either conscious or you're not. And, again, going through all these Google hits, this morning. I didn't spend a lot of time doing it because I knew a few weeks ago what I was going to do today, but I, I had some time and I wanted to see what was on the internet and I thought consciousness is binary, either or, everything or nothing. And the guy goes on to write, he says, yeah, nobody would ever argue that there's some middle in between or that you could develop consciousness or grow, or be, how did he say it, or be more conscious than you were a few minutes ago, or less conscious, or more conscious, or less conscious than somebody else. And, and I was stunned. I was just blown away, because all of my life, whenever I've gotten near people who aspired to develop themselves spiritually, or were even attracted to religion, there was an understanding, especially in Eastern philosophy, in shamanism, in um, the pre-industrialized indigenous societies, that consciousness can indeed be developed, that it is grown. In fact, that consciousness is evolving, much like the physical species itself is evolving. And I get caught off guard. This has happened to me before. I remember interviewing a fellow on the radio 
who was a historian, and and I asked him about the evolution of consciousness, about how humans were, uh, albeit slowly, learning lessons and becoming more loving and more conscious, right? There it is. Consciousness is love. More compassionate and more forgiving. Understanding connections and seeing the bigger picture. And he looked across the table at me like, what are you talking about? What kind of hippy-dippy philosophy are you talking about? And I said, so you think it's static? He said, I think we grow in terms of intelligence, but our values and our ethics are not evolving. And I believed then, and I'm even more certain now, that that's not true. In my opinion, values and ethics are definitely evolving. Uh, I mean, just the idea that we have a man of color in the White House, uh, that that could not have happened uh, even a few years ago. I'm still amazed that it did. And looks like he's very limited in what he's able to do, given the nature of the machine that that he's locked into, but we're definitely evolving. Um, it's only been 150 years since capital punishment would be applied to pickpockets and petty thieves. You steal a loaf of bread, they'll hang you in the town square. You know, England, again, I think it was about 150 years ago, I had to stop hanging pickpockets in public because other pickpockets were coming to work the crowd. It clearly was not a deterrent, and so they stopped doing it. Well, most nations have banned capital punishment. We still have it in the United States. Americans seem to love it and think that most other nations do, too, most Americans don't know how isolated we are and in the world in this regard. Civilized nations don't don't have capital punishment. Of course, we also have more of our people in jail than any other nation in the world. Um, pretty remarkable. Nobody seems interested in why that could be, why that is so. And, of course, domestic violence is through the roof. This does relate to consciousness and intelligence. So, this idea that consciousness can't be developed—I uh, I don't know where—I don't know where this is coming from, uh, uh, and I don't know how to talk about it except that there must be a belief in society by many people that who we are is fixed in terms of our ethics and our morality and our ability to see an ever bigger picture, to understand the spiritual ecosystem, if you will, uh, the web of life. Uh, that's fixed. That's not growing. That we can add to our intelligence. We can accumulate information and maybe even learn to use areas of the brain intelligently that we haven't before but that our values and morals and ethics, the way in which we love, the degree to which we are consciously aware of existence as magnetism, right, as love, that that's fixed. And again, I'm here to argue that. Why do we study this material? Why are you guys here? 
What do you hope to gain? What do any of us hope to gain from studying the ageless wisdom, from the pursuit of truth known as philosophy, from our meditation and our mindfulness? What are the benefits? That's that's really what I want to talk about today. It makes us more intelligent, but that's just the beginning. More intelligent, but that's just the beginning. It also allows us to see an ever bigger picture, to be more comprehensive in our thinking, uh, to see the connections, and as I've already suggested, the ethics and the values, our priorities evolve at the same time. We're more interested in justice and more interested in in peace. It's why I like calling liberals progressives, because you can see socially, politically, spiritually, a progression. We are progressives. We are straining at the yoke, (laughs) really, trying to pull this beast forward, to drag this sled of unconscious people who seem to have settled for gross injustice and and war and extreme hunger and racism and I'm not settling and I know you're not settling we can't accept this and we become part of the problem to accept it to even tolerate it is is evil according to the wisdom traditions evil is not limited to you doing something horrible uh, to injure or steal from another person. Evil is just, evil starts with just not caring about your impact on other people. If you just dismiss it as none of your business, that's, <laughs> that may be a high bar. And again, you don't have to accept that as, uh, as, as, uh, locked. You know, locked in cement or carved out of granite, however you want to say it, is the ultimate of, of authoritative rule. But that's my understanding from the wisdom traditions. As soon as you stop caring about your neighbor, as, as soon as you stop caring about the environment, as long as you believe, like little children do, that the universe revolves around you, uh, that's essentially evil, not in children, of course, but in adults who should know better. And, and dedicating yourself to that, to taking that I don't care position as a kind of a defense, you might want to consider that historically, among philosophers, that, that's, that's the beginning of real evil, not to care at all. So let's talk about some of the other distinctive qualities between consciousness and intelligence. Again, I want to emphasize that unlike this prevailing attitude I'm finding on the Internet where intelligence can be developed, but consciousness, you're either awake or you're not. Like you're somebody hits you over the head with a baseball bat and you're unconscious. Well, <laughs> that's not the only definition of unconscious. Have you ever been in traffic behind someone who's sitting at a, a a red light and the light turns green, but they don't go anyplace? 
and you wait a second or two, well, in L.A. or New York, there's something called a, a New York second where <laughs> folks are on the horn immediately, and eh, eh, get going, right? But in a smaller town, say out in the Midwest or here in Hawaii, if the light turns green and somebody is spaced out, they're just sitting there. Well, often as not, the people behind them won't haunt at least not right away. They just wait for the person to realize that the light has changed to green and they can go now. Well, they didn't fall asleep and they weren't unconscious in terms of, you know, brainwave activity. Somebody didn't hit them over the head and make them unconscious. Their eyes were open. They were alert. They were aware. They were awake. They were conscious in one sense. But in another sense, they were not conscious or aware of the fact that the red light now turned to green and it's time to go. And it might take a little tap on the horn to wake them up and make them conscious. So that that distinction has to be made. This is not a binary consciousness that we're talking about. And how often that comes up, I, I, I was really surprised. It, it just says to me that most folks aren't used to the word the consciousness, uh, not really sure what it means other than you're awake or you're asleep. Uh, and So we talked a little about uh, computers can be intelligent, they can memorize, a computer can reason, there's artificial intelligence, a computer can learn, a computer can heal, in a sense. It can write code. It can write uh, programs on its own. But could a computer be conscious? Can it, could, could you argue that it has volition, that it has a will or an intention, that it can reflect upon itself? I would say not. I, I can't conceive of that. If enough people can conceive of it, maybe it could happen. <laughs> as long as I can't conceive of it, I can't really contribute to it. Because the computer lacks a soul. And again, love and consciousness and awareness are all the same word. So is soul. This is the Christos or the Buddha nature. This is divine love. In the Christian trinity, this would be the Son. Further, it occurs to me that intelligence is essentially a process of rational reasoning, of deductive logic. There is creativity, uh, there is intuition, there is something called inductive logic, although in most cases it's just a reliance on generalizations and stereotypes. But most of what we call intelligence um, is our ability to think rationally, logically, and, and deductively. It's generally to break things down from general to specific, to slice it and dice it and break it down, right? Take it apart. This is the process of understanding that most of us rely on. But to go in the other direction, to go from specific to general, 
to find yourself in a situation where there are many specific details here, and you would like to find an overarching umbrella concept or a golden thread that runs through all of these apparently separated elements, logic and reasoning cannot do that for you. It requires an aha. It requires a bit of eureka. It requires what you might call intuition, but I'm going to call realization. Okay, To realize something is to experience the light illumining or illuminating the landscape, allowing you to see what's been here all along, but you didn't see it. So it could feel like realization, could feel like the dawning, the gradual, slow realization. Hold on, I'm starting to get it. It's starting to come to me. Whoa. Or the light bulb popping on. Or you could be thunderstruck as if by lightning, kabam, the top of your head explodes and you have this great revelation or realization. And it's usually about you and your relationship with all things. Self-realization is to understand all things and the role of the self in this one thing. So, in this way, intelligence is pretty much limited to deductive logic. And again, we can throw some creativity in there or technically a little inductive logic in there as well. But consciousness is almost a complement of that. It, we have to be conscious of our uh, ability to use intelligence to break things down deductively. But beyond intelligence, there's a quality of consciousness that allows us to realize as if through a sudden awareness, a burst of insight, as if the light just popped on inside your head, some large overarching concept, or again, maybe a, a golden thread of continuity. But beyond that, even, we can think of consciousness as being a place of no judgment whatsoever. This is often described as no thought or a non-thinking place of contemplation where the mind is completely empty. That's difficult to conceive until you've begun to experience little snatches of it. But easier to understand is the idea of just not judging everything. Why do we do this? Why do we have to decide over and over and over again whether something is good or bad, attractive or unattractive, right or wrong? Or here's a big one, I like it or I don't like it. Or I even sort of like it. I'm not just saying the either-orness of it. It could be, it's just that you have to have an opinion on it. Why do you have to have an opinion on it? As soon as you have an opinion on something, you've pretty much shut down on understanding. 
If you decide, for example, you don't like broccoli, that means you're never going to taste broccoli again. Do you understand what I'm saying? Your mind's made up. You've already decided. You're going to, if you put it, if you if you did put it in your mouth, it would be with a memory already in place of what this is going to taste like, and you've decided you don't like it. Or maybe you decided you love it. Oh, broccoli, bring it on. I just love broccoli. What about not judging at all? What about tasting broccoli with beginner's mind? In other words, every bite is as if it's the first time you've ever eaten broccoli. And your mind is open, and you're curious about the flavor. After all, what leads you to believe that every head of broccoli from every different farm, pulling all the variety of nutrients in the soils, uh, I can see where it would generally taste, broccoli is going to taste like broccoli, but wouldn't there be some differences in there? How would we know the way most of us turn off our awareness and rely only on intelligence? How would we know if we're constantly judging or drawing upon judgments that we've already made? Challenge yourself as often as you can to resist judgment. Better said, to just release it all together and to be more awake, to be more conscious, to be more alert and aware of the experience that you're having right now. You don't have to really judge at all. Another thing intelligence does is it seeks control. Intelligence wants to control, I would argue, much of the stress that people experience can be explained as an attempt to control often what cannot be controlled at all. To influence or persuade or cajole or seduce or threaten or overwhelm or buy off or find some kind of leverage or prestige or status, always seeking control. And Again, we'd rather cover the world with leather than wear shoes. So we'd rather control other people than control our responses. It, it, it just doesn't seem to occur to us that perception and response is where we do have control. But to keep fighting what's already happened to you or even what's happening now in many cases is to refuse to accept what you just don't have control over. Remember the uh, prayer they use in the AA, the serenity prayer, that's what they call it, where you ask for the wisdom to know the difference between what you can change and what you cannot change. Okay. Um, consciousness doesn't care about control. Consciousness just wants to witness. This would be another difference between intelligence, seeking to control, to influence, to persuade, to seduce, to control. And consciousness, 
There's no desire to control. It's a witness. And along these same lines, I think we can talk about intelligence playing a role in our need for approval. Besides constant judging and constantly seeking control, the, a third thing that the ego does is seek approval. It's not very secure. And it doesn't know that it can, with self-love and self-trust and self-respect, build self-confidence and self-esteem. How could you get any of those self-words from somebody else? I'm trying to get self-respect from pleasing this person. And if they respect me, then I'll have self-respect. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I think that's backwards. If you have self-respect, it's likely they'll respect you, whatever you say or do. Okay, Get the pony in front of the cart. As that inner city phenomenon of the of the gangs shooting at each other and the police come in and do the investigation and say, well, why'd you shoot that kid? Just because he was in the other gang? And they'll say, no, he dissed me. What do you mean he dissed you? He disrespected me. How'd he do that? Well, he looked at me as if he disrespected me in a challenging, confrontative way. Well, if you respect yourself, how could anybody take that away from you? How could you be dissed? What are we teaching our children? What, what, what kind of society is it where we have this crazy idea that self-respect is something you get from other people? We even think love is something we get from other people rather than something we provide for ourselves that we might then pass it on, share it radiate it, give it away to other people. So another quality of intelligence is this constant search for approval. Tell me I'm okay, right? Consciousness doesn't need that. Consciousness isn't interested in control. It would rather witness than judge. And it uh, is not impressed. It is not the ego, in other words. Intelligence has a lot to do with ego. Is the higher self, the soul, intelligent? Of course. But consciousness stands above intelligence. You could not have intelligence without consciousness. You can have consciousness that's not interested in the things intelligence provides. So, at this point, I think what I'm going to do is introduce you to a model from theosophy that uh, is pretty popular and found in a number of uh, similar traditions. And when I say theosophy, I don't merely mean the uh, capital T theosophy of Blavatsky and Besant and, and those late 19th century uh, mystics in New York. Hold on a sec here. I'm talking about the small T theosophist or the Rhineland mystics 
of the uh, 15th and 16th century early Renaissance uh, theosophists. And they talked a lot about the planes and spheres uh, that reality could be thought of in a number of ways, but one of the easiest and most elemental ways is to think of it as being like a layer cake. You know, most cakes have two layers. Uh, my grandmother used to make these German chocolate cakes that had three layers. I could, you could think of a wedding cake as having many layers. Uh, it's interesting because the wedding cake gets narrower as it goes toward the top. So that's even a better uh, allegory. I'm going to talk about the, the three lower worlds and the one plane or layer, if you will, that stands above that as I offer you a model that will hopefully embrace everything that we've talked about so far and help you anchor into your own understanding of the differences between being intelligent and developing your intelligence and being conscious. And I don't just mean asleep or awake, but spaced out or, or really here or really listening. Uh, okay, you got that literally, but did you get the second level of symbolism? Uh, did, did you get that third layer of arcane uh, or occult meaning, the hidden meaning, uh, the deeper symbols? On, on what level did you? Oh, okay, you saw this intelligently as being about other people, but were you conscious enough to see how it's really about you and what the self describes describes the self? You projected that. You see only yourself in other people. What you love about your Self is what you love most in other people, and, and and what drives you crazy about other people, of course, is something going on with you that needs healing. Uh, all of this part of the wisdom. So, the three lower planes, working from the bottom up, like a three-layer cake, are called the three lower worlds in most of theosophy, much of theosophy, and and the related fields of uh, of philosophy. The first, uh, well, let me let me deal with the. Uh, there's a little contradiction here at the very beginning. These three lower worlds, the first three layers that I'm going to talk about, are often referred to collectively as the physical world or physical dense. This is a a lower correspondence of the divine trinity, and the three lower worlds are the the mental, emotional, and physical nature of human beings, which corresponds in the divine trinity to the material world. So, as above, so below, the divine trinity has a father, a son, and a mother, or Holy Spirit aspect, meaning causative, receptive, father, spirit, causative, mother, matter, receptive, and the sun, the consciousness, the love, or the soul, is the magnetic field that unifies those polarities of Father Spirit, causative, Mother, or Holy Spirit, Mother Matter, Mater, being the receptive end, 
And again, the consciousness that we're talking about is in the middle. Well, the lower correspondence of that is your mental, emotional, and physical nature. And collectively, we can call that your physical existence. Your mind, your heart, and your physical body is all part of your physical existence. So the three lower worlds are a reference to the physical universe. From the bottom up, the physical, sometimes called the etheric, is that which corresponds to the body that you carry, the matter, the cells, the corpuscles, the the, the tissue and the bone and the hair and the nails, your, your physical body, your health, your behavior, speech certainly would be part of your behavior, and again, your physical health, this is essentially the physical plane, the first layer of the cake. The second layer, sitting on top of the physical, the body, is the astral or emotional layer. Have you ever wondered what the astral planes mean? It's the emotional plane of existence. It's a slightly higher frequency of consciousness than the physical. This obviously is where all emotions are felt, from the positive emotions of love and happiness and joy and peace of mind to the negative, the um, hurt and the upset, the uh, hatred and the anger and, and contempt and loneliness and depression and sadness, alienation, um, all of the emotions exist as separated emotional forms, the theosophist would say. They are things, just like physical things are things. I could hand you my car keys, or I could say, excuse me, would you pass that bottle over here? All right. And you can pick up that physical form and hand it to me. Well, the theosophist and, again, many indigenous peoples, their shamans and philosophical traditions from all over the world and from all times say that emotions are the same thing. But they're not just um, uh, states of being or feelings that, that we generate so much as an affect, an emotional affect that we attract a form or a thing that we can hold on to. And we do tend to hold on to our feelings. We hold on to our fear, and we try to hold on to our love. Although when we do that, it becomes fear. Any holding on is fear. (laughs) Love is always a letting go. And all love is letting go, and all letting go is love. All holding on is fear. And all fear is holding on. You try to hold on to love, you turn it into fear. The astral plane, the emotional plane, is the second layer. The third layer is the layer of intelligence. This is the mental plane. Okay, Again, we're talking about a lower correspondence of the divine trinity that in Christianity is Father, Son, and Mother, or they call it Holy Spirit. 
Holy Ghost. It's the mother, the, the spirit, the consciousness, and the material aspect. The mental, emotional, and physical nature of man is a lower correspondence of that, like a reflection, okay? As above, so below. So the third layer on this cake that we're building, uh, this nice big German chocolate cake, the third layer is the mental plane. This is the plane of intelligence, if you will, although it could be argued that all three of the lower planes have intelligence. Is there a physical innate intelligence? That could be argued. You know, some people just have a particular skill at music or a particular skill at golf. Or so This guy's a natural, a born runner. And, and other people, you know, they're very good at music. They've got the ear. They were just born with it. Or listen to that voice. What a gift. You could call that physical intelligence. And increasingly, we're talking about emotional intelligence now and, and EQ. Groundbreaking work done over a decade ago at Harvard University by Daniel Goleman is now accepted in the literature, emotional intelligence and, and the need for emotional management. Not only to know and develop the self, but to then create rapport and empathy and better manage relationships but in that order Goldman's got four distinct areas which is self-awareness and, and, and emotional self-management and then empathy and rapport and managing uh, social relationships interpersonal relationships and so those would be the four general areas of emotional intelligence or your EQ. Research shows that your success in business and elsewhere in life also, maybe even in romance, will have much more to do with your EQ than your IQ. But here comes IQ, the mental nature. This is what we send to school. You didn't learn very much about your physical body, your health or your performance in school maybe a little in health class or phys ed or sports. Uh, and emotionally, we didn't learn much about our emotions. School is pretty much a mental experience, the mental intelligence. And if you just use the word intelligence, this third layer, the mental will, our ability to think logically and rationally, to reason, as I said before, factor in creativity and intuition, if you will. And uh, this would be the third layer. This is primarily what we mean by intelligence. But there's one more layer I want to talk about, and this is called the plane of the soul. This corresponds to that second or middle position in the divine trinity. This is the Buddha nature. This is, in Christianity, the Son uh, or the Messiah. In Judaism, they talk about the Messiah. It's actually a Greek word. In even more ancient Egyptian philosophy, we have the trinity of uh, the king and the prince and the queen. This would be the prince in the middle. It's the magnetic field between the polarities of spirit and matter. We keep coming back to this in these classes, but it's very, very important. So the middle of that divine trinity in all these different systems really corresponds now to the fourth plane. Uh, 
this is where we get the seven, the three above, the three below, and, and the four in the middle, is the plane of the soul, sometimes called the Buddhic plane, or in theosophy, this is often called the hierarchy, or the seat of the soul, all right? This fourth plane, and this, again, is the home of divine love. It corresponds to the Christ-Buddha nature. This is consciousness. The soul is not only conscious, the soul is consciousness. And the soul is consciousness is love. Three words for the same thing, as long as you capitalize love, anyway. It is magnetic, it is radiatory, it is cohesive, and it refines. The soul is a loving consciousness, is magnetic, it radiates, it is cohesive, and it uplifts, it improves, it heals, it refines. And consciousness is in the lower three. Let me do a time check here. It's five after. Consciousness is in the lower three in a way that I think is pretty cool uh, that I'd like to share with you, and that's the four elements, the four ancient elements of earth, air, wind, and fire. If we look at these four layers or planes or levels of existence that I've just described, the physical plane would correspond to earth makes sense right the emotional plane corresponds to the ancient element of water for emotions are very sometimes it's called mercury mercurial water is very changeable it uh, can exist very easily in any one of a number of states as a solid ice, as a liquid, its natural state, so-called, as a gas, it's all steam, it's all water. But look how easily it changes state. Much like your emotions, and fluidic and watery. So the physical, the first level is earth. The second plane, the emotional astral, is water. The third is the fire of the mind, all right. This often corresponds to purification, um, improvement, the way uh, the fires of adversity will burn away the dross or the impurities. That's how you, the old alchemist would get gold out of gold ore. You just put it in the oven, the athanor, and crank up the heat. Everything burns away except the gold, and finally you're left with just gold. To see that as a parallel for human evolution, for, again, the development of not only intelligence, but moreover consciousness, um, that improvement, that redemption. Um, again, the, the religious model in Christianity has redemption as being just something that could happen once to you when you die. The argument the alchemical philosopher makes is, oh no, it's everything negative in your life that you want to redeem or transmute from lead to gold, from negative to positive. 
And it's love as consciousness that does that. It's consciousness that's the magic, right? And that corresponds to the soul on this fourth level, which is air. So from the bottom up, physical, earth, emotional, water, mental, fire, that's intelligence, and then above the lower three, everywhere equally present, the buddhic plane, heaven, the plane of the soul, the level of consciousness, and that imbues the lower three so that like air, which is everywhere, air is in the fire of the mind, air is in water, right, H2O, air is in water, so consciousness is in the emotional as well as the mental, and consciousness is in the physical. Consciousness is everywhere. Air is in the other three elements, and consciousness is in the lower three worlds. Now, I'm not saying, again, this is the only way to think of consciousness and its relationship to intelligence, but it's a a well-studied model or paradigm that's been used, uh, especially since the early Renaissance and the rediscovery of Kabbalah and Hermetic philosophy by the intelligentsia, if you will, and the aristocracy of, uh, of Europe. This is where Freemasonry, for example, went from a craft of stonemasons to this Rosicrucian-based society of enlightened uh, men and women, mostly men, though. Not that the women weren't enlightened, they just didn't get to hang out with the guys. Masons are still that way, I'm afraid. Okay, so the four planes, let's, um, that's about as much as I, I want to do with this topic today. I think that'll keep you busy for a while. And so let's go to the questions. You can uh, either press star two on your telephone touchpad if you're listening on the telephone or if you want to go to the telephone. If you're listening on the web and go to the phone, remember there's about a 15 or 20 second delay that'll be apparent to you soon enough. And then star two, once you're all hooked up and enter the conference ID, a voice prompt will help you. Star two will indicate that you have a comment or a question. And similarly on the web, you can type your question into the into the box. I, um, I can't go to chat. That's not the place for the question. Uh, use the ask a question tab Type into the box, include your name and the city where you are today, and uh, we'll go to those questions now. Here's the tab, and we'll see who's with us today and what folks have to say. First of all, in Albuquerque, Diane Loff is with us today. I, I presume that's how you say your name, Diane. I'm not sure. L-A-U-F, Loff, Loff. And she says, how do we join in during the social net? I was in the chat room last week, and only one other person was there. Um, I'm glad you brought it up. The social net is theagelesswisdom.ning.com. 
.com. You have to insert the N-I-N-G between the domain and the .com. And we have a special site there, theagelesswisdom.ning.com. It's a lot like Facebook, only it's for students and people who are either uh, clients of mine or students of mine or participate in this class uh, or any of your friends who are just interested in philosophy and religion and, and metaphysics and mysticism and shamanism and new age philosophy and and such. So uh, sign in, sign up, and uh, then when you get a chance, come back and fill out your profile and add a an icon, an avatar, a, a picture of yourself. And it takes a, a few visits to get to know the site and all the different cool features that are there. But there is a chat room there. And often when you go, because there's only, what are we up to, 62 or 63 people we've just started, it's, it's likely that you can go in the chat and there won't be anybody there. Now, what I've been doing, and what I'll do again today, is when we finish this seminar in a few minutes, I'll go over there for a while, and hopefully some of you will meet us there. If you've never been there before, I have to approve your, your having signed up. This is something we go through, unfortunately, because of spam. So I'll do my best to approve you as quickly as you can, but... There's going to be a few-minute delay between when you first sign up and you have pending approval, and I can go ahead and give you the thumbs up. That will only happen once, the very first time you sign in. Then you're approved as a member, and um, you'll be able to access all the features on demand anytime you want. So then sign in again. Go to the chat room. Just poke around. You'll see where it is. And... Um, and, and we'll be there. That's, that's all you need to do. All the tabs are, it's pretty easy to navigate. All the tabs are across the top. It'll say main page, my page, and there's a tab for forum, which is the discussion group, and one for events, and one for chat, and just like, uh, just like tabs in a file cabinet across the top. So, And then, and then Diane says, I just tried to enter chat, and it does not appear to be working. Again, I'm not sure here, Diane, if you're talking about the chat room that's open now uh, in association with this webinar or the other site. But both should be working. The chat room here at this event right now should be working. And the one at the website, theagelesswisdom.ning.com, that should work 24-7. But we'll find out in a few minutes when we get over there. Thank you, Diane, for that. And uh, appreciate you being with us every week. Carol Postel, always with us. She's here today from La Habra. Says, uh, um, hi again, Michael, and uh, hello to Doreen, too. Aloha, Carol. Lorelei, faithful student checking in she says season two sign of course says aloha michael great topic when meeting new people i used to subconsciously decide not to like them before they could decide not to like me i was already passing judgment before i even said hello i now look 
at rude and mean people as scared little children and offer them unconditional love spiritually and verbally. Peace and love to you and Doreen. That's beautiful, Lorelai. That's that's really spot on. And that's how you learn. It takes one to know one. We're not going to see that in other people unless or until we recognize it in ourselves. And that's just that's the nature of learning. That's the nature of consciousness. Uh, so we can turn that around. As soon as you see something that you love in somebody else and you want to understand it or something in someone else that really irritates you and you want to control it, make it about you. <laughs> Why did I recognize that? How is that so easy for me to see? And what does it say about me? The freedom. And always making it about you is quite uh, quite remarkable. Uh, Robert is with us in Irvine. He says, Aloha, Michael. Excellent class. Have a magical week of peace. And Robert, uh, you too. Appreciate that. Thanks for being with us. Uh, check in the phone, people. Um, I don't see any hands raised, so let's do our visualization. And then uh, those of you who would like to join us at the uh, at the other chat, this chat room closes when this event ends, but at theagelesswisdom.ning.com, please come on in. All right. Get comfortable. Close your eyes if this is a good time for you. You know, if you're not listening in a car, driving down the road, or... Uh, using dangerous machinery, chainsaws or anything. <laughs> Get comfortable. Do a few shoulder shrugs and a couple of head rolls to get sort of loose. And sit straight by balancing yourself. Get a sense of being balanced with your shoulders back and your head up. Lift your chin. Open up your rib cage and breathe, inhaling, if possible, through your nose. Nice, big, full, deep breaths. Slowly filling your lungs. Pause as you peek for just a moment. And then exhale just as slowly. And begin to create and sense a feeling of relaxation, a feeling of letting go, feeling very safe and relaxed. And as you allow your breathing to continue at its natural and normal rhythm, gently place your awareness at the bottom of your nose. And allowing my voice to guide you. Simply witness or pay attention to your breathing. Watch your body breathe itself. All by itself. With interest and even fascination.
And in time, maybe in a minute or two, or if you're new to this, maybe after several sessions, you'll begin to get a feeling that, well, it's almost like watching somebody else's body breathing. But of course you know it's your body. You can feel the oxygen moving in and out of the nose as the body all by itself initiates the breathing process, taking the air it needs when it needs it, expelling the carbon dioxide. And as if you were sitting in a beach chair on the shore of the ocean, just watch the in-breath and the out-breath. The ebb and the flow of your breathing. Notice that there is a point on either end. At the very top, when you stop inhaling and just before you begin to exhale, that little top of the curve where you're not breathing at all, and then you exhale. And on the bottom of the cycle, there's a point just before you begin to inhale again, where you're no longer exhaling. And you breathe neither in nor out. But you don't stay there. You begin to inhale again. Watch the expansion, the pause, the contraction, the pause. The peaks and the valley, as well as the slope, of your breathing up and down in and out round and round the cyclic nature of all things And now I'd like you to, simply by forming the intention to do so, without any effort, without any way of doing this incorrectly, simply lift your attention from the bottom of your nose to a point on your forehead. In the center of the forehead, between and slightly above the arch of the eyebrows. Gently allow your attention to rest on this point in the center of the forehead between the brows. This is known as the Ajna Center. A-J-N-A. Ajna. It is known also as the third eye, 
It is the sixth of seven chakras or centers in your body. Hubs, if you will, a plexus or a hub of nerves. Focus at this point. And it corresponds to the integration of the lower three of your personality. And so imagine from this somewhat elevated point of view, looking down at your mental, emotional, and physical natures. with a sense of harmony. With a sense of cooperation and coordination. With a perspective that is, after all, somewhat elevated and above the intelligence of the mind, the emotions, and the physical being. And consider from this elevated point of view, this ajna, integrating the lower three in service to your highest goals to become a kinder person to become a gentler person to become a person who works for justice and assumes all responsibility as an opportunity to make a contribution, however large or small, said in a negative way, an unwillingness to stand by. positive way, a determination to contribute to making a positive difference, saving, healing, transmuting, uplifting, redeeming, ignorance into understanding, fear into love. the unconscious into the full light of your conscious awareness and say to yourself I am conscious I am awareness I am in form but above and free of form 
the one life. In ways that I am responsible for discerning. You say that to yourself. That you must discern the divine plan and your role in the scheme of things is for you to discern in these states of expanded awareness and higher consciousness. And see yourself making some small contribution. Maybe stepping on the brake instead of the accelerator in traffic. Cooperating rather than competing in traffic. Maybe just holding your tongue when you were just about to say something hurtful or cruel. Catching yourself, even if it was mere sarcasm and you thought might be funny. You see yourself now holding your tongue. And honoring the silence. deciding to speak only when it could improve upon the silence. See yourself making a difference in small ways, knowing that whatever you do, Maybe just leaving that exhausted waitress at the restaurant an extra dollar or two. Smiling at him or her and thanking them. Just going out of your way a little bit, knowing that that ripples out into the world and matters and further changes you. raises your frequency, refines and reforms. And by raising the magnetic frequency of consciousness or divine love, then what you attract into your life is enhanced as well. The rewards and the new challenges both. And so we actually, in this way, accelerate our own conscious evolution. Imagine determining that you can, will, and must now accelerate your own evolution your physical performance, your emotional wisdom, your mental intelligence, and the source of wisdom, love, truth, the soul itself, capital C, Consciousness. Say 
say to yourself, I am consciousness. I am conscious. I am awake. I can put down judgment, the need for control, and the desire for approval, and experience so much more around me in the moment, so much more reality, once free from the constraints of the unconscious mind and the fear-driven ego. And bring that light with you, that awareness, that you are awareness, that consciousness that you exist as consciousness itself, with you, the alertness, the awareness, Bring it with you effortlessly as you reorient yourself to the room where you sit and prepare in a moment to open your eyes wide awake with a full memory of this whole process, this whole meditative experience will be easy to remember and you'll see the value of repeating it, practicing it. As you inhale slowly, a big, full, deep breath again now. Hold as you peek and as you exhale, relax and open your eyes now. Wide awake and alert, rested and refreshed, feeling fine. And more conscious than before, more more aware, having that slightly elevated perspective you See a broader horizon and a bigger picture. That's pretty much what it is. Values improve, ethics, your priorities change, you become a better person. But you also just see the bigger picture and um, the connections of all things to all things. Um, that's consciousness. And it's found in intelligence, mental and emotional, and it's found in physical intelligence as well. Well, I want to thank you for being here today. I've certainly enjoyed the uh, webinar today. Again, I want to invite you to meet us in a few minutes at theagelesswisdom.ning.com. That's uh, N like Nancy, I-N-G. And the is part of the address. So the W's dot theagelesswisdom.ning.com. If you've never been there before, sign in or sign up the first time, uh, I'll approve you. I have to do that because of the spam. Otherwise, we get spammed all over the place. I'll do that quickly, and then you can sign in and uh, join us in the chat if you have a mind to. We'll get a couple of people in there and start that tradition. And then again, come back to that site. Invite your friends to come to that site. It has internal messaging. Uh, you can post photos videos, uh, respond to any of the discussion threads up there. Again, this is a community for people like us who are philosophically minded, 
who are interested in personal and spiritual growth and success and fulfillment. We're just starting, so it's new. There's not that many people there. But, you know, I've posted a lot of stuff. A few other people have begun to post stuff. And so let's bring it to life in the coming weeks and months. And uh, we can do that with your help. So I'd love to. It doesn't cost a thing, obviously. Like everything else that we do, it's all free. Thanks to those of you who do subscribe to our Focused Passion program. Our sister site is focusedpassion.com. And it's here that for less than a dollar a week, less than one dollar a week, 99 cents, 396 a month, you can subscribe to a premium podcast. Studio Quality, my partner of 35 years and I, Steve Snyder, and I together, we've done the research for you. And we're bringing you a series called Finding Yourself in Paradise including guided meditations for 99 cents. That will allow you to share those programs with as many people as you want for no additional cost. And moreover, you help us stay ad-free and support all of these other projects with your 99 cent per week contribution. You help us to do this mystery school and keep it free. The Ning site that I've just described and all the other um, work that we do in the accelerated learning area and so many other fields. Uh, I don't know if you've ever checked out the text articles, but there are scores of wonderful articles at Focused Passion, too. Remember the ED, that's the w's.focusedpassion.com. You can get a free account just by leaving your first name and your primary email address at focusedpassion.com. Six complete sample programs, four of them are accelerated learning that you should give to your kids and your neighbor's kids. Uh, if you're a student, regardless of your age, <laughs> listen. We call it the Family Learning Hour, and there's four parts of it. And it's all there free. So get your free account, and then if you ever want to add to your collection, you can do that by subscribing for 99 cents. Easy to manage your account. You can unsubscribe, resubscribe, unsubscribe again anytime you want. And uh, I want to thank those of you who are already doing that and invite those of you who are not yet subscribers to help us out on that side of things. That That is a remarkable value in and of itself. Any one of those programs could go for 35 or $40 on a CD or DVD. They're 99 cents, right? And then you have the wonderful knowledge, uh, the awareness of knowing that you're helping support all this other work that we're doing. Okay, And um, I'm presuming you're getting the um, uh, newsletter by now. If you're not, don't worry. You just sign up on the Ning site, and you'll start to get it as a result of that. So we'll meet you over there in a little while. Thanks for being here. As always, be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. Uh, This is Michael Benner, and aloha from Maui.